We are the tribe from the north. We're brave and we're bold. Defeating our rivals never gets old. Making our way to the Big Sky Conference. Watch out, cause here comes the silver and gold. Welcome back, Try from the North, Brave and Bold, to the official, unofficial podcast of your Idaho Vandals and the Vandals affiliate on the Big Sky Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brian Marceau, joined by co-host, or other host, Dallas Hammer. Dallas, who actually made the trek to Pullman, has somehow made it back home. How's it going, Dallas? Uh, hanging in there couldn't complain just finished uh the newest episode to hard final episode i guess of hard knocks right before the show like pretty good tuesday it is tuesday right still shit well if you're watching live it's tuesday if you're ready for amateur hour it's tuesday if you're just listening it may be any other day joining us as well producer martin heemstra he's in moscow he made it back from Pol- from Port- pullman good god martin how's it going down moscow it's going good. It's thought we were going to avoid the smoky season in Moscow, but we are. Uh, it hit us a little later, and it is just getting hot as can be in Moscow right now. But otherwise, I am doing fine. Okay, well, you know what? Everyone here is doing fine because obviously, look if any if anyone's curious how Tubbs and Club felt about Idaho football, check out our instant reaction episode. It's still relevant in my mind for knowing what Idaho might look like the next week or so. Uh, you can also check out the uh, Big Sky podcast power ranking episode. I tuned out. Tubs of the club, very busy over the last few days. But look, guys, this this week, we're talking about the second FBS game, the big payday, the one, the last big FBS contract payday come to Idaho. That's Big Ten Indiana. But look, before we talk about who the, who the heck Indiana is, uh, look, look, special sponsor for this episode, VSF, guys. So if, you are, uh, if you're looking for a great start for the Vandal home, home opener coming September, the home opener September 17th, you want to really get a great start for the home opener September 16th, join the University of Idaho Alumni Association at the inaugural Tap the Keg Oktoberfest. You buy tickets for this, entry includes 10 beer tastings, a commemorative tasting glass, live music, a great time with a ton of vandals stoked for what will be a celebration because we're going to beat the shit out of Drake. But also, Coach X is going to visit. If you, you want to know more about this, go to www.uidaho.edu backslash tap the keg to get your tickets. It's going to actually take place again. It's on Friday, September 16th. It's going to take place at the Dan O'Brien track complex right next to the Kibbe Dome. So you're going to be in Moscow Friday. Not a better way to get stoked for the home opener. And now that we're now that we've told you what to do next next week, Dallas, we're into around the bar. Brought to us by Hughes River Expedition. Idaho's opponent, Indiana, sits one and zero with a win over the Fighting Illini. So that's a Big Ten Big Ten win. Who the hell are these Indiana Hoosiers? That is a fantastic question, Brian. Uh, before we get into that, everybody probably remembers or has been trying to forget that Idaho did play Indiana in Indiana last year. Uh, 56, 14 loss there. Pretty ugly stuff. Uh, last year's Indiana team only won one other game. Other than that, they beat Western Kentucky 33 to 31, two weeks later, 
on their way to two and ten, and then they fired both both the offensive and defensive coordinators, fired just about everybody on staff except for head coach Tom Allen, uh, and then from that team, uh, Michael Penix. I know it is pronounced Penix, but I I just can't. It's Penix. Penix is now the quarterback at UW. They lost their top three receivers. They lost their top three running backs, their top two tacklers from their defense. They lost everybody from a team that was already complete trash. So this year, a team that's a bunch of transfers, a bunch of just fresh faces that really haven't seen the field. So it's it's kind of tough to know too much about them. Just at like a general look and before I, I, I should get into this, uh, I'm a big fan of the Big Ten. I don't think I've ever talked about that. I grew up watching Nebraska football with my dad every Sunday or excuse me, every Saturday. Uh, so I, I have a weird thing with the big 10 now that Nebraska has been there for so long. So I, I actually did watch all of the Indiana, Illinois game. Uh, so we'll, we'll get into kind of that in a little bit, but, uh, this year's Indiana team, last year's team ran the ball a ton. This year's team is actually a spread offense. Uh, again, new offensive coordinator. They actually, two of them, they went co-offensive coordinator. Cause if you can't get the job done with one, why not try two? Uh, they actually spread it out. They have four receivers, uh, technically three receivers and a tight end, but they list the tight end as a wide receiver. Uh, they ran the ball about 55% of the time last year in their last game. They just chucked the ball 50 sometimes ran it only 18. So this is going to be a really pass heavy team, uh, defense. Their base is four, two, five. Uh, they, they do things really weird. Their defensive lineman on the edge is a hybrid linebacker defensive end. And then their fifth DB is a hybrid linebacker safety because, positionless football is here i guess um this team was awful last year they barely got out of illinois uh 75 yard drive with just over two minutes to go punched it in with 23 seconds left to to pull off the 23 20 victory they looked pretty terrible doing it uh brian idaho played a, a lot better last week than we thought against the coog team that should be pretty decent looking at indiana who historically not great last year terrible terrible team this year, we'll get into the kind of their their whole roster, but not a great look for them so far. How do we feel so far? Well, first is you referenced change in offensive strategy, which means in some way, I know that Indiana does not run the air raid, but look, if you're just, if you're a big sky fan like me, who does not really give a shit about the Big Ten because I don't, uh, it, it actually will feel kind of, it'll feel not that different in terms of the def- the what is going to be asked of Idaho's defense is going to be a little different against Indiana than Washington state, but really not that different. Indiana's cornerback, uh, Connor Bazelak. And I, Oh man, I really wanted to mispronounce that name in a way applicable for hashtag only tubs, patreon.com slash tubs. Anyway, uh, Connor Bazelak, which you got, again, everyone knows what I really want to say here. He's a transfer. Thank you. He's a transfer from Missouri. Started for about two full seasons at Missouri. Completion percentage around 66%, so solid. Uh, both seasons have started at Missouri and passed for an average of around 2,400 yards. Um, last season, he's better in terms of touchdown interceptions, 16 touchdowns to 11 interceptions. The year before, seven touchdowns to six interceptions. Um you know, reasonable, reasonable to think based off that those stat lines. And like you said, week one, Bazelak went 28 for 52 for 330 yards, one touchdown, one INT. Uh, if you're curious about Sagarin ratings for Indiana and Illinois, uh, both of them 
are considered slightly worse than Washington State. Indiana right now sits at 72 in Sagarin, Illinois at 76. Fresh off uh, their upset victory over Idaho, Washington State sits at 62. So just broadly speaking, in terms of quality, uh, metrics would say there's not a ton of difference right now between Indiana, the, the caliber of team overall, I'm not talking about scheme dials. The caliber of team we play at Washington State is, is quite comparable to what we are going to see in Indiana. Uh, we'll throw asterisk to what you talked about. You are 100% correct. Indiana's terrible last year. No conference wins. Uh, they beat the shit out of Idaho because, I mean, look, Jason Eck talked about it uh, in post game for this game, for Idaho's near Idaho's loss to Washington State. Idaho hadn't been competitive in a Power Five game for a very long time. So, uh, went around too much into that meaning much relative to last season. Uh, but 2021 was a, a bit of a shocker for Indiana fans in terms of the team face planting. Cause Tom, look, Tom Allen's been the head, been their head coach for a few seasons. Uh, his in 2017, that was his first time where the job was only his Indiana goes five and seven, 2018, they're five and seven. Then 2019, they're eight and five COVID year. They're six and two. So that is two solid seasons. Of course they lost both their bowl games. So, uh, Two surprise okay seasons followed by a face plant. Uh, I I wouldn't round that into Indiana looking like they're going to be, you know, this isn't a BCF. Uh, sorry, sorry, that's an old reference. This isn't a CFP quality team or anything. But, um, you know, we've talked about in Indiana in terms of passing attack. This is similar to WSU of secondary looks great against WSU. We're going to have to see that again for this game to be competitive. Absolutely, and that's the thing that again they're gonna they're gonna throw the ball all over the place. Uh, their running back Sean Shivers transferred in from Auburn. Uh, he had 15 carries for 28 yards and a touchdown last week. Not particularly good numbers for anybody that's doing the math. That's about 1.9 yards a carry. Really not great running the ball against a an, you know another big Big Ten defense. So probably gonna have a little bit more success against Idaho. You saw Nakia Watson have a, a fair amount of success for Wazoo last week. There is a chance of that, but the big the big thing here are their receivers. Uh, they have three guys that start: Cam Camper, DJ Matthews Jr., and Javon Swinton. And if two of those names terrify you, I'll get into why that's ringing bells in your head. Uh, Cam Camper led led them statistically last week: eleven catches for 156 yards. Uh, DJ Matthews Jr. had seven receptions, 109 yards, and a touchdown. And then Javon Swinton had like four catches, but. Matthews Jr., if anybody remembers, Matthews Jr. is the guy that returned the 81-yard punt for a touchdown against Idaho last year. Swinton, last year, caught a touchdown, and then the blocked punt, he's the guy that recovered it and took it back into the end zone. So uh, two of their three biggest receivers are guys that know how to score touchdowns against Idaho. Uh, so not, a, not, not great there. And then their starting tight end, A.J. Barner, he only had four catches for 25 yards last week but he did have a 76-yard touchdown against Idaho last year. So their offensive guys that came back, the the handful of receivers that were mostly special teams guys last year, and then their their starting tight end is really the one major returner. All of those guys have scored against Idaho in the past, so you just got to hope that they don't do it again. And defensively for Indiana, look, again, you, you brought it up already. There's not that much – it's not worth diving into that year's roster that much because a lot of transfers, things – different coordinators. Indiana did force four turnovers against Illinois, uh, picked off a pass, and uh, recovered – forced four fumbles, recovered three. So, look, brain-dead thing. 
FCS team against a power five team, uh, limiting turnovers is going to have to matter. Small sample size this year's Indiana team. Look, if a game is in the twenties, that clearly means at least a couple teams looked all right defensively and Indiana forces four turnovers. That helps explain why Illinois, uh, again, why Illinois was held to 20. Um, Idaho showed against WSU. I mean, honestly, okay for the most part, turnovers. Giovanni threw a couple picks. The retro fresh again, retro freshmen trying to force things weren't terrible picks, but you know, you would prefer to not have them. Um, you know, a lot of big, a lot of the issue issue for Big Sky teams staying competitive is against less good Power Five teams, and I'm okay calling Indiana a less good Power Five team. Dallas, correct me if you think I'm wrong. Is phase one, don't lose the game on your own make the other team win uh indiana has shown the ability to force turnovers yeah and that's the the big thing is their secondary uh jalen williams and tiawan mullen uh are two guys the only really the only two guys on their team that have ever landed all big 10 honors uh, they're the two starting cornerbacks uh, they're both seniors a bunch of young guys behind them but their top two corners are seniors and you can expect that they are probably going to be looking to be ball hawks this game uh, they also have a, a handful of safeties they the only other guy well the, i guess there's the kicker too but nobody cares uh safety devon matthews also a former all big 10 player so there are a couple guys that are all big 10 quality and of course they're three of the four members of the starting secondary so that is the the big thing indiana is going to be looking for is, is turnovers um, for idaho though the one thing indiana struggled a lot with was their rush defense. Not great. Uh, they overall held Illinois to four yards a carry, but Illinois' top running back, Chase Brown, 36 carries, 199 yards, 5.5 yards a carry. So that's, if you're Idaho, I think that's what you're looking at is that secondary is loaded. Try to go at the front seven and see if you can, again, grind the way, grind the game away on the ground, much like you did against Wazoo, own the time of possession battle. That's going to be, I think, the key for Idaho moving forward. Yeah, also for, for Illinois, uh, Chase Brown, like you said, 36 carries, 199 yards, a long of 32. So, like, this wasn't a matter of dude dude broke an 80-yard touchdown run, and then it wasn't that spectacular. Uh, we'll say Indiana, for their part, because this, this is not going to be a secret against, for Idaho this entire season, offense, how much, the, how well the offensive line hold up is really going to dictate a lot of games for Idaho. You, you just talked about the good end of Indiana defense in terms of matching up against Idaho. I will say 10 tackles for loss, three sacks uh, from Indiana. Uh, you know, An Idaho team just gave up seven sacks, or you might actually call it six. One of the sacks came on a CJ design run play with a bad snap, which I don't think that play was going anywhere in the first place, but I also think most viewers would understand that sack as different from drop pass, drop back for a pass and getting sacked. But this is, to me, but look, I, Indiana D line in terms of getting to the quarterback, probably not quite as effective as Washington State's. Also, Washington State's line. Look, Washington State had a winning record last season. They in a Power Five conference that was a relative strength. So I think it will be safe to say Indiana is not going to be as strong as WSU. But uh, you, based off what we saw last week for offensive line, you don't yet have to be only WSU to be able to get to our quarterback. Giovanni had like five plays where he had time and you know, Indiana is going to look at that tape from WSU, how they could look at the first two minutes and it's going to tell them what they need to do. The MO on Idaho is going to be until further notice, get to the quarterback as quick as you can. 
and try to make Idaho prove they can slow you down or Giovanni can make a lot of good decisions under duress. I thought he made a good amount of good decisions against WSU, but look, we lost the game. It, he clearly did not make enough uh, plays to change the course of that game. And in the absence of our defensive touchdown, and that game does feel a little bit different until Idaho scores at the very end. So look, we're, we're probably going to feel like we say this every single week right now when we're talking about what another team's going to try to do against Idaho is until our line shows we're going to pave way for runners and give Giovanni time. That's the way you beat Idaho. Well, and the, the one thing, you, I, it's a very weird stat that you don't see a whole lot in college football, especially in conference games. Every single member of the two deep for Indiana's defensive line registered a tackle last game. Uh, everybody but the backup defensive tackle had multiple tackles. They, they are a very deep rotation. So while they might not have a whole bunch of top-end talent, they have a bunch of guys that are all kind of the same, which is not a good sign if you're Idaho trying to to hang in there in the fourth quarter and wear them down. They have enough guys that are all just kind of guys and they're, they're deep enough that it, it's going to be really tough. Um, something that I did want to point out, I, I didn't mention it in the offensive talk. Uh, Indiana did just lose their best offensive lineman for the entire season towards ACL against Illinois. So there is a small chance there for Idaho's defense to get something going on the right side of their line. They have two returning starters, uh, Mike K. Dick. Yes, that is how it's pronounced. K. Dick. Uh, I had what to look it up. This team is just trying to bait it's, us. Into it's it. just like, it's the point of lower level big 10 teams to recruit guys for us to want to laugh every time we say their name. I mean, I was going to make a whole bunch of jokes about how their offense has looked flaccid without Phoenix around, but then there's K. Dick holding up the line and just being nice and sturdy and rigid there. So no idea. Um, but anyways, Mike Kadick, Luke Haggart, their left tackle, left guard, both started almost every game last year. The left side of their line is going to be pretty tough. The right side did just lose their best, their best lineman. He's been a four-year starter. Uh, he started at left tackle his freshman year, left guard and right guard the last two years. And then he moved over to right tackle. I don't, uh, I don't know why you just move the guy down the line every year, but it is what it is. So that is one thing I had forgotten to mention, uh, if you're Idaho's defense, that's the that's the weak point. You're going to send Leo Tomba at at the right tackle every single every single play and hope that he's going to get past the backup because the backup is a former D two player. He transferred in from D two West Texas A and M. So if you if you're Idaho and you're looking for that sliver of hope to hold on to, attack that right side of that line. Now from the Idaho end, like Idaho centric end, um, some guys who. I want to talk about guys who didn't have the best week. Not that they had bad weeks or something like that. But like, look, look at the receiver room for a second. Jermaine Jackson, five catches for 110 yards against Washington State. Great, great game. Uh, showed the speed that we knew he had, but injuries have just not allowed him to produce. Um, we'll say I'm going to expect if Giovanni has time, I just don't think Terrell's trainer is going to keep getting two catches a game. For 29 yards and i just don't think him uh, hayden hatton is go and trust trainer are going to combine for seven ish catches and sub 50 yards together now with the emergence of jackson as a guy who is a, a good target for giovanni i i'd have to think too that playing against the defense it should be a little uh, not quite as strong as wsu uh 
we might, we should hope we're going to see a few more of those good plays we saw from Giovanni when he had time against Washington State, in particular, uh, in that fourth quarter. I mean, that's that's the hope here. I think everything we're going to project from not even just this game, but from every for every game forward is can Giovanni continue to grow a little bit, continue to make just the freshman mistakes and not make the stupid mistakes. You know, the the couple picks last week were bad decisions but they weren't necessarily mind-numbing decisions and that's that's the the key to, to this game they were mistakes but like they were like they weren't catastrophes yes the you know the 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 final one was you know the just it's a chuck up towards the end zone and you're hoping to score i mean it it, it is what it is you're going to have those kind of moments so that's that's kind of what you're you're hoping for here is if Gio can, or excuse me, Vani. I think the, we've heard he prefers the nickname Vani, so I'm going to try to use that. I know we keep calling him Gio, but Vani, that's what you're you're hoping to see. Don't make the mistakes, and hopefully, again, like Hayden Hatton, kind of no show the last week. I know he's coming back from injury, and again, it's a Pac-12 defense. It's a little bit different than playing against the rest of the big sky. Like you mentioned, Therese Trainer is he really going to get two catches every game? So I, I would expect to see maybe a little bit more distribution, especially when you talk about their corners. They have two seniors that have seen plenty of game action and then a bunch of sophomores and freshmen behind them that might not be any good. Yeah, you know, I want to talk about the running back room for a second too because look, we, we talked about the two deep last week, which we all look, we also know two deeps are not 100% correct documents. Uh, running back room... Listed too deep last week was Rashawn Johnson, Andre Carter. Based off the rush split, that is clearly not what the one-two running back split in Idaho is. Uh, Rashawn Johnson's there. He had nine carries, 19 yards. Uh, but Anthony Woods, uh, man, that dude looked good. Led team rushing, had nine carries as well as Rashawn, uh, but showed a little bit more speed. Uh, which to me is why it was not flooring against a team like Washington state that Andre Carter, who look, all of us know and love Andre Carter, especially from that freshman season averaged over five yards a carry. He's had some rough luck um, for the last couple of years. We hope he gets back to that point, but right now I uh, really think true freshman Anthony Woods looks like he is, if he, he based off snap count, he's absolutely at least competing for a number one running back slot. And based off what we saw against WSU, not a slight to Rashawn Johnson, we've seen we've seen him look good. Anthony Woods is clearly the most effective running back for Idaho last week. Uh, just to get into the stats for anybody that, that doesn't have them pulled up, uh, both guys, uh, Woods and Roshan, again, we, we love Roshan. Roshan came in as the number one back. This is not meant as a slight against him in any way. Both guys got nine carries. Roshan went nine for 19. Woods went nine for 50. Like there's just a, there's a, there was a difference there and it, it is what it is. The true freshman is X guy. I'm not going to say that, you know, it means he's going to put Roshan off to the side. Like everybody knows what Roshan is. He's a, he's a very good running back in the big sky, but those kind of 50, 50 moments are probably going to lean toward the guy that the coach brought in. So it would not shock me to see, like you said, Anthony Woods looked good. If the stats back up what what we saw, it wouldn't shock me to see Anthony Woods be the guy who has the most carries. And maybe, just maybe, he can have a game much like Chase Brown did and and actually do some legitimate damage and keep Idaho sustaining drives because that was a problem for 
much of the game, Idaho's offense just couldn't sustain anything against against Wazoo. It was run the play clock down to two seconds, snap the ball, run the run it down to two seconds, snap the ball, run it down to two seconds, snap the ball, punt. Worked really well to keep the to keep the game close, but if Wazoo had scored better, we wouldn't have been talking about this game as as lovely as we did. So that's I think that's the recipe here against Indiana is keep giving the ball to Woods. If he's not effective, give it down to Roshan, give it to Andre, find somebody that can run the ball and just try to bleed the clock away just like just like last week. Yeah, last week Idaho led time of possession uh, 36 minutes, 35 seconds for Idaho to 23 minutes, 25 seconds for Washington State. Now, of course, part of, like good news, bad news. Uh, WSU, when they move the ball, they move the ball pretty quick. Yeah, as look, we've all seen Cal Poly in back in their triple option days. They'd win the time of possession. That doesn't mean they they won a game. But if you're a team like Idaho, um, both in giving the defense a rest and then just minimizing the the amount of shots the other team gets, obviously, I, I expect that time of possession approach I had in WSU week one to continue uh, in the comment thread captain 58 found line that has um, Indiana a 22 and a half point favorite in this game reference point uh, depending on what website you used last week for Washington State Washington State was a 27 and a half to a 29 and a half point favorite so that kind of matches what we talked about of uh, Indiana WSU not that different in terms of perceived quality with WSU being a little bit better than Indiana. So we've talked a little bit about some things that have happened, some roster stuff. Um, Dallas, again, look, we're, we're stoked for this game. We're elated about how last week went, but th- that doesn't mean you can't acknowledge that a power five team should be favored heavily over an FCS team. And look, a 22 and a half point line is a heavy favorite. So if let's say Idaho is able to repeat and have a close, close game or win, I don't think we need to talk about what it looks like if Idaho loses because everyone knows what a power five team uh, be, beating up on an FCS team looks like. So let's pay attention. If Idaho is going to keep the, the result in doubt like we did last week or pull off surprise win, tell me a couple things you think we're just going to have to see out of these Vandals. Uh, first thing first, they've got to blow up the right side of that line and get to Bay's lack ball sack. They have to just have to do it. The the kid is is decent numbers. Completion percentage is high enough that he's going to keep drives moving. You got to get to him. He went twenty eight and fifty two last week, which was well below his career numbers. Again, first game with a new brand new team after transferring to Missouri. I would expect that's not going to happen again, and he's probably going to complete more passes, which means you need to get his ass on the turf. That's that's step one. That's realistically that is the defensive answer. You have to get to the quarterback. They're going to throw the ball a lot. You have to get to the quarterback. They got to Cam Ward a couple different times. Got to do it to ball sack base like. Uh, defensively, you 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 have to just you have to attack their front seven. The, the, I don't think they're going to get the ball off through the air particularly well. Also, Vonnie's going to be running for his life again. It, probably not to the level that he was at Wazoo, but he's he's going to be under pressure. This is a big sky offensive line that is not particularly deep going against a deeply mediocre big 10 team like it's just a disadvantage there so they're gonna have to just attack the front seven run the ball drain the clock and hope you cause a couple turnovers and keep the game close the whole the whole way a couple points i want to hit on first are things that idaho already did idaho had essentially no special team issues against wsu ricardo chavez hits his field goal 
Uh, not saying he had, you know, like NFL level punts or something like that, but you know, his punts were fine. And Idaho surrendered no block punts, no block field goals. Uh, by the way, great work out of Thomas Ford because we didn't have that many uh, games. We didn't have that many games last season where we were talking about how special teams, they essentially did what they needed to do. Um, so phase one, we need to repeat on special teams, not giving up huge plays like that. Sec- second, whether it's through the forced fumbles like we did against Washington State. By the way, uh, Jason Eck in an interview last week with Peter Harriman actually talked about that being a point of emphasis for Idaho defense to uh, honestly try to try to force a few more strips than what we'd seen the last few seasons as just another way to try to force turnovers. But whether it's through forced fumbles, like, you know, Matthias Bertram knocked too loose, or picks. We didn't see any picks from the WSU game. But one way or the other, if Idaho's going to keep this competitive, our defense is going to have to come up with some big plays. Uh, again, Marcus Harris doesn't return that fumble for a touchdown last week. The vibe of that game feels very different heading into the fourth quarter at 17 to 3 versus te- uh, t- 17 to 10. The other look, you, you hit on it in terms of what the offensive line was able to do. Um, the thing I'm probably going to stress is that. I think the game we saw from Giovanni is not not rad is not going to be radically different against Indiana, in that he's going to be run for his life. But we, Jason Eck probably thinks the run game is going to have to be able to support the the pass game a little bit more. In the reference I'm going to give here, um, Giovanni McCoy under duress, thirty two thirty two pass attempts for two hundred twelve yards. Now we all know pass attempts should have a higher yards per attempt than rush attempts. But Idaho running backs, I mean, the team rushed 34 times for 62 yards. Uh, We did lose a total of 21. Sorry, we lost a total of 19 yards through sacks. But even if you remove those 19, we're still at 34 rushes for fewer than 90 yards. And if Idaho's got, look, Idaho's just going to have to put points on the board one way or another. So I think he here. Everyone knows because X been open about one. He wants to have the offense structure on what the team can do, but he's also talked about the importance of establishing the run, a roughly 50, 50 pass rush split. Like we saw last week is clear evidence guys. We're going to run a decent amount this season. If I was going to keep this one competitive, we got to be a little bit more effective on the ground, whether that's having a couple big plays or just having more chunk plays to push to push a few of those drives just a little bit longer. We don't have, we don't actually have to get that deep to get within Chavez's field goal range. Dude, dude's good for over 50 yards. So if we, I think Idaho needs to be able to run the ball a little bit more effectively. It helps that time of possession. But look, we, I think it's just safe to say we're not, Jason X, not an air raid dude. Even if he pat, we pass a lot for him. I mean, that's probably a 60, 40 pass rush split. So the ru- running game, whether it's Anthony Woods or Rashawn, we just need to be able to buy a little more margin of error so that Giovanni's in fewer third and longs and more instances where, look, if he's under pressure, third down, well, maybe he tucks and runs. Jason X already shown he's he's going to gamble on fourth down some. So, look, for us, I'd expect Idaho were third and five in the field goal position, the field position's okay-ish. That's probably going to be two down territory standard in these games because to Jason X credit, he did not call the game last week as though he was trying to come out safely. He called a game he wanted to win. 
Which is, I mean, that's the the attitude I think you have to take in these games. The the tweet that Theo Lawson, uh, former Vandal, I mean, Vandal grad, former Vandal beat reporter, former Wazoo beat reporter, now on the Gonzaga beat, but still covering Idaho and Wazoo on very rare occasions. One of those things he mentioned was that 2011 game against Virginia was the last time Idaho was competitive against a, a power five school. And that, that goes back to even FBS days when even 2016, when the bowl, the bowl game was won, went out and got absolutely pasted by Wazoo. And I, that was always a kind of a critique of, of Petrino never really felt like he went in there to go punch guys in the mouth. It was just the, Hey, we're going to turtle up a little bit, make sure we get out of here alive. Eck to his credit did not treat Wazoo like that. I don't know if that was partially because of the relationship he has with Coach Dickert. I don't know if that's just the the kind of guy he is. I, that's what I think he is. Uh, if they come out and punch Indiana in the mouth, out there trying to strip balls away, out there just fighting for every single ball, there is a chance that Idaho does the exact same thing that they did last weekend, and we roll into Drake weekend thinking, holy shit, Idaho's going to go undefeated in the big sky. There is a legitimate chance that that we get out of this Indiana weekend and have all-time high emotions here. You, look, you brought up something that I really should have touched on earlier, which is the character of this team, which is that was one of the things that stood out to me. And in write-ups of the game, it was referenced. This Idaho team has a lot more fight than we're accustomed to seeing in the last handful of years. Team's a lot scrappier than we've seen the last few years. And, this team clearly has some confidence in itself in particular on the defensive side of the ball, that they can make plays and that they do belong on the field who gives a shit about the actual uh, athletic department budgets of Washington state versus Idaho. You're not going to tell me like Paul Malala didn't look like he belonged on that field or Fave or Fave Fave didn't look like he belonged or Bertram or Marcus Harris or even Jeremiah Slam, all those guys. They clearly are playing with a different level of buy-in look, we know the scheme's different, but it's it's not 100% just scheme is what the coaching staff's done and what the, the level of players have bought in. Those two things matter, and we saw that against Washington State. I'm going to say I don't think there's any reason to believe it won't be there in this next week. But um, I, I think within probably the first quarter, we're going to see how much of that fight from Idaho was, whether a little bit of that was the the pump of the first game. But I expect I expect pretty much like ninety five percent of that just who this team is, and if the team's going to be scrappy, we know they've they've got some talent. Uh, you can understand the world where Idaho keeps this game close. Brian, I think we are ranging into score prediction time. I suppose we are. So, look, score prediction for me. It lines 22 and a half. Last week, you and I uh, accidentally predicted Idaho beating the spread, but not by much. I'm going to go, look, I think Idaho is going to be a little more effective offensively, but against a Power 5 team right now, just the the offensive line's limiting factor, guys. That's it. Um, I'm going to go Indiana, 31-17. But in a game that, again, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to feel relatively, it's going to feel pretty competitive to me. I couldn't agree more. I think this game is going to be really competitive. I don't know if it's going to have quite the the nail-biting Idaho's in it until the final seconds. I don't know if we're going to quite get that again. This is a, one thing we haven't talked about, this is a real road trip, guys. 
I mean, yes, Wazoo's a road game, but there's more Vandals in that road game than there's going to be at any other road game until we get to the big sky. Like they just they're not they're not going to show up in Indiana in these numbers. Flying halfway across the country to Indiana is a little bit different than jumping on a bus and going over to Pullman. So keep that in mind. This is a little bit different environment than than Idaho is going to be used to. With that said, I do think this game is going to be pretty close. I think that Idaho is definitely going to definitely going to cover the spread. I think that the the final score will not maybe be as indicative as of, of how close it is. I'm going to take Indiana 30 to 16. And I gave a weird look there when Brian gave his score because I was wondering if he had seen mine because we're one point off on each team. The answer is no. Obviously, I don't do research like that. And look, we're going to pull hot take. Not hot take. My bad. My bad, guys. We're going to pull Martin Heemstra in. He's uh, look. If, also, if you guys are watching on the on YouTube, if you see uh, weird flickerings in the background, that is the Picasso of outros. Martin Heemstra working his magic. Martin, score prediction for I keeping it relatively same that you guys had. Uh, I went uh, thirty eight seventeen Indiana thirty eight seventeen. So, hey, for the record, we're all showing some buy in from what we saw against WSU because that all of us. It, like if our picks are equivalent to picking Idaho to beat spread, which uh, again, like we're not trying to live in the world of moral victories here, guys, but re- relative to what Idaho had done against power five teams, the last what, I mean, look, 2016, our bull team lost to WSU by 50. Then we lost to UW by around 50 or 40 ish that week as well. So uh, look, if Idaho can beat the spread, keep it within a couple scores here after a uh, week one, you know, talk about one score lost to WSU. I think that that would be a pretty damn good two weeks for Idaho to maintain, not just maintain to build on momentum heading into the Drake week and Oktoberfest that Friday as well. So uh, yeah, score predictions, guys, we're going to go, we're going to go back to picking the big sky in a second. But before that, we've got a curveball. We've got to go around the bar sponsored by Hughes River Expedition. Someone else is going to take care of this one. If you're looking for a great, all-inclusive, week-long vacation, don't look past your backyard. Venture into the largest protected wilderness in the continental United States, located right here in the great state of Idaho. Enjoy a multi-day trip down the Middle Fork of the Salmon, the main Salmon River of No Return, the Salmon River Canyons, or the Selway. And you can even check out special trips like one to see the Persed Meteor Shower. Camp on pristine beaches, run amazing whitewater, hike scenic trails, spot wildlife, soak in beautiful natural hot springs, Take in the history along the river and fish some of the most remote stretches of river in the entire country. Just bring your clothes and let HRE handle the rest. Hughes River Expeditions has been vandal-owned and operated since 1976 and is ready to take you on the vacation of a lifetime. What are you waiting for? Find out what it's like to grab a paddle, catch dinner, and ride the bull all throughout the Gem State. Call them now at 800-262-1882 or check them out at HughesRiver.com. Dallas, you sound like you've done that before somewhere else. Uh, I almost still have the Coors Light Frostbrood Studio ESPN radio ad read still memorized. I almost, I was thinking about teasing you guys with it a little bit, but it's been 10 years now. I really wish you could have done the pristine beaches uh, screw up that I did, except with your pristine bitches. Exactly. Oh yeah. Okay. We're going to quit talking about ourselves talking about ad reads and I did. I I got to jump in real quick. There's one very important note that I forgot to drop as we're talking about K Dick and Phoenix, the punter for Indiana 
James Evans, he's from New Zealand. Nobody cares about that. He had 69 punts last year. Extra nice. Okay, again, it is the point of shitty Big Ten teams for us to make dick jokes? I say yes. Picking the Big Sky, filibuster over. Look, last week, uh, we're, now we're in the part of the Big Sky season that is um, usually a little bit easier to pick. Uh, factoring in the one game from week zero right now, standings for us, I sit at 11 and one. Dallas sits at 11 and one. Martin sits at 10 and two. However, that is, let's say, a principal 10 and two because Martin is purposely picking Montana to lose. Montana could be playing Simon Frazier, and Martin would probably pick Montana to narrowly lose as well. So that's where it stands. By the way, we go in reverse order. So, Martin, that means you're going to be picking the first game that we run down each time. Um, Dallas, I'll let you go second. I'll go last. So I don't have to, we don't just keep saying everyone's names. So week two, uh, first game we're looking at Montana state hosting Moorhead state. It's another buy game for Montana state for those assholes who have money to schedule these things. Take it away. Uh, plain and simple Montana state. I mean, Moorhead state went seven and four in the pioneer league last year, but, they're the Pioneer League. There's not a chance Montana State's going to destroy them. Yeah, Moorhead State in the Pioneer League. They're um their Sagrin's 255. By the way, Idaho's gonna beat the shit out of Drake in week three, and Moorhead State is rated below Drake in Sagrin. Uh if you want again a breakdown of last week, all the games last week, check out the Big Sky Podcast uh, network power rankings episode I did. But Really, the, the story for me in Montana State, they're going to easily win this game. Continue watching Tommy Malott. Uh, Tommy Malott was preseason all big sky. We talked on this show about how that was a little bit of bullshit hype. Um, he look, look, he looks like a solid player. Again, another guy I, Idaho would like to have. He clearly is not a all big sky passer, which we, we saw against McNeese State. So, look, the Montana State's going to win. That's kind of the, the only real storyline for me is to see, look, does Malott develop a little bit more as a passer? Realistically, he looks like a guy who probably don't want passing more than 20 times a game. He passed 19 against uh, McNeese State. That's where we're at. Montana versus South Dakota, Martin. That's FCS South Dakota. That's the place Rob Orich bailed on to, to come over to Idaho and have uh, fan base fall in love with him. Uh, pick that. I think you're going to go to principal stance, Martin. Yep, going South Dakota. They beat South Dakota State last year. I think they can pull off a shocker this week. So you're saying you pick South Dakota to win? Yep. I'm going to go the opposite direction here. I think San, uh, San Diego. South Dakota. Oh, boy, that was close. Uh, South Dakota did a weird thing, and they scheduled two body bag games, but their body bag game was Montana. They got pasted by Kansas State last week, 34-0. to I don't think it's going to be that bad, but they're, they're going to get crushed by Montana. South Dakota's not a terrible football program whatsoever. I mean, like last season and if it's different roster last season, they beat the shit out of NAU in, in their out of conference. Uh, but I, I cannot stress Montana is the real deal. They have not lost a step defensively whatsoever. In fact, they might be better defensively this year and quarterback Lucas Johnson transfer from San Diego state looks like the, perfect quarterback for a Bobby Hawk team where uh, look, he's kind of a game manager in that he's not going to throw the ball 40 times, but he can run a bit. He threw for 200 yards, which is to say Montana is clearly better offensively this season than last season. Montana is going to take this game. And I, I don't think it's going to, it's not going to be, 
I don't know if it's gonna be a blowout, but I don't think Montana fans are really gonna sweat this weekend. Top five Portland State Martin at Pac-12 University of Washington, the home of Penix from from Indiana. We just talked about who wins that. Washington. I mean, Portland State, I'll, I'll jump in here. Portland State looked a lot better, I think, than a lot of people gave them credit for. They Their quarterback was fine. The rest of their team is fairly deep. Montana beat the Huskies last year, but the Huskies look a lot better this year, and Phoenix is going to spread that ball over the field. So, UW. Yes, this is the downside of playing UW when Jimmy Lake is no longer their coach, which is um, Washington is one of the most fun stories to me in college football of a school pissing away resources and getting not close to that much in return. Uh, Washington's University of Washington has been one of the worst return on investments in Division One football for quite some time. Uh, Dallas, you hit on it. Portland State. Portland State looks better than we picked them in in our Big Sky preview. Defensively, honestly, at all levels, they look stronger for a Big Sky team. I don't think Sacheray is going to be effective enough against a team like University of Washington because he already he struggled to hit windows against San Jose State. And UW is certainly going to be better than San Jose State. So I'm going to pick UW. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if Portland State gets roughed up a little bit in this one. Uh, the, look, and I can I also have stressed Portland State did look pretty good against San Jose State, much better than we picked. But this is not the week for Portland State to show that. I, I don't think they build at UW. Uh, Northern Colorado at Wyoming. No idea how this is going to go, Martin. Uh, Northern Colorado is going to get steamrolled in Wyoming. My question is, when is Ed McCaffrey going to get fired? Because this, this feels like, this feels like the tire fire of nepotism that we all thought the Petrino family was going to, going to get themselves into. This is, this is bad. This is ugly. For those curious, Northern Colorado last to Sagarin's number 231 team. Houston Baptist in Greeley. And to answer and Brian, question, how now, many how many teams are rated in the Sagarin ratings? It's uh it's two is it 262 or 256? I have to scroll up well because I, I have the, the page up in the conference and styles. But uh do you know that number? 262. Not off the top of my head. I do. No, 261. I lied. It was if I guess if I throw enough numbers out there, I'm gonna get the right one at some point. 261 teams. So they're uh, Houston Baptist is 232 out of 261. Yeah, Northern Colorado, they kind of look like they're in a shambles after pissing that game away. Uh, Jacob Sermon came in at quarterback at the end, did lead a 20-point comeback. So maybe that that's something that changes. But look, obviously, picking Wyoming to win this, I don't think it's going to be close. But to answer your question, Dallas, Ed McCaffrey's not going to be fired for a long damn time. Look, Hap, Northern Colorado employs Ed McCaffrey, his son, Max McCaffrey, they pay for the schooling of Dylan McCaffrey and the director of football operations for Northern Colorado is Max McCaffrey's girlfriend. So uh, are they going to fire half of their football staff? Not anytime soon. So yeah, Northern Colorado is going to have no chance. They're going to, their fan base is already decimated guys, or at least the, the, the internet footprint Northern Colorado has is already devastated at uh, pissing away what should have been a gimme game. Next, 
look, this is just a rough week kind of for the big sky, uh, except here. Cal Poly hosts Pioneer League San Diego. I I thought about this for a second, but I think I just defaulted to Bo Baldwin. So you pick Cal Poly. Yeah. I made this mistake last year picking San Diego to beat Cal Poly because Cal Poly was ass cheeks in the the spring season, the little bit of coward poly that they did play. And then Cal Poly beat them by 11 last year to open the season. San Diego actually was the co-champion of the Pioneer League. That's how much lower the Pioneer League is than the Big Sky. Got to go with Cal Poly here. I, I think you definitely have to go with Cal Poly. Uh, first off, Dallas, like you said, uh, Cal Poly was clearly worse last season and beat San Diego. Uh, there were also some bright spots that Cal Poly showed against Fresno State uh, in compared to last couple of seasons. Quarterback uh, Jaden Jones did surprisingly well against Fresno State, 20 for 38, 211 yards, a touchdown. He also rushed for 59 yards. Uh, you have to expect if he can do that against Fresno State, Jones is going to look like just a damn weapon against San Diego. Bo Baldwin has at least enough pieces now to call a little more aggressive games. So, yeah, I, I think Cal Poly is going to pick up one of the uh, few wins that they snagged this season. But, again, this is actually a really rough scheduling week for the big sky. Northern Arizona at Sam Houston State, Martin. Is this considered an FBS game for NAU or is this a FCS-FCS game? Do you know, Brian, off the top of your head? Well, Sam Houston's Conference USA now, correct? That starts in 2023. So that would mean no. Thank you for that okay. fact check. So that would make this still an FCS game. They are they're in the whack, I believe, at the moment. Okay. I still gotta go Sam Houston. I think there's what was the score last year? So I think 45 can't remember what it was, but I'm picking Sam Houston State. Fact check. Dallas is correct. Sam Houston's in the whack. I only bring this up, guys, because I think the jury's in on our show. We actually don't give a shit about the FCS that much outside of the Big Sky and maybe the Missouri Valley. Dallas. Yep. Uh, I watched a little bit of the Sam Houston-Texas A&M game because I like to do, use the ESPN app and have four games going at a time, and that was what was on at the butt crack of early, whatever time. I was like 9 a.m. or whatever. Uh, anyways, Sam Houston hung-ish with Texas A&M for a quarter, they're going to they're gonna just paste NAU. It's it's not even close. This would be this would be a team we'd be talking about national championship aspirations for. Now, in Sagarin ratings, Sam Houston would be the number three team in the Big Sky right now at 121. Northern Arizona's 163. However, um, I know we, we shouldn't read too much into Northern Arizona dying at Arizona State, but I think NAU's on notice with how bad they look, losing 40-3. to uh, RJ Martinez, real rough outing, two picks, no touchdowns. NAU had linemen go down with injury. And also, look, NAU has not picked up any – NAU got their ass kicked in all their FCS games last se- – out-of-conference FCS games last season. So until NAU shows otherwise – they're going to win against some, against the worst of the big sky and not a ton else. Sam Houston is uh, is my easy pick for that game. One of the more intriguing games on paper, UC Davis at South Dakota State. I say on paper because this is viewed as kind of a marquee FCS out of conference matchup. 
Martin, who's going to win? I'm going South Dakota State. I it's I yeah, I'm just going to keep it like that. I mean, South Dakota State almost won the saddest football game of all time. Iowa beat them 7 to 3 and Iowa's 7 points came off of a field goal and two safeties. Um I they they made I mean, Iowa doesn't have a great offense anyways. That's like Kirk Francis' whole thing is we're going to move the ball like it's 1919 and we're going to play defense realistically like it's 1919 but not a chance i think sdsu just rolls uc davis they're they're at another level i think do you expect that sdsu is going to look like a worse matchup than uc davis looked last week at cal losing 34 13 that's a really good question and i don't have an answer for that um i would say it's going to be very similar to that i don't i don't I think it will be a little bit closer, but it's it's definitely not going to be a close game. The one bright spot for UC Davis heading into this game is against Cal. Davis rushed for kind of a shockingly efficient 145 yards on 27 total carries. Yolanto Gilliam, 115 yards on 14 carries and a touchdown. However, he broke a 60-yard rush, so minus the 60-yard rush is obviously the per-rush number drops cataclysmically. I honestly expect UC Davis is probably going to look worse against South Dakota State than they did against Cal. I think that if San Diego State was able to do what they did against Iowa, they're going to look at quarterback Miles Hastings and think, thank God we get a week off. I think South Dakota State's going to win this. Uh, to me, UC Davis is kind of on notice. They've been they have been riding the Tulsa FBS win from last season for a long time for national respectability. And I think we're we have to be closing, and they still receive top twenty-five votes. I have no idea why, well, other than what I just said. I expect they're gonna. I don't think this is going to be close. South Dakota State's going to win this. Weber State at Utah State, Martin. Uh, Utah State. It's I like Weber State, but Utah State will win this one comfortably. I would tend to agree. Uh, it's very hard to judge this year's Utah State team. Last year, they they went 11-3, and three, uh, were the Mountain West champs. Phenomenal season last year. This year, they played UConn, uh, who had Jim Mora back. I think Jim Mora was a dunce when he was a bad coach 10 years ago. Cannot believe that UConn decided he was the guy, but hey, more power to him. So they, they paced a terrible UConn team, and then they go get crushed by Alabama 55-0. to zero. Tough to really project a whole lot from Utah State, but, I mean, come on, FBS to FCS is pretty tough. Utah State was really, really good last year, so let's go Utah State. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go Utah State. Look, th- these Mountain West matchups are games that, at so, a decent amount of them, the big guy can keep competitive, but at some point, like, we, the big guy does need to snag some wins. But Weber State, look, offensively, even look, the Weber State weekly guys who we love even said last week, look, the passing game against Western Oregon, a shitty D2 team, is not yet there. Meaning I don't think I don't think Weber is going to be able to score enough points and they don't have Rashid Shahid potentially getting touchdowns on kick returns. Weber State, for the last few years, they, they kind of pump up their points per game by just annihilating the teams that are more talented than. They're not more physically talented than Utah State. 
So no, Utah State to me is going to win this. Um, I'm still Weaver State's not on notice, but I'm not. I don't think people should yet be thinking of them as a top ten team or something like that. Idaho State at San Diego State. SDSU. This is a tough one. Arizona was awful last year, and then San Diego just lost. San Diego State just lost to them by eighteen. However, Idaho State is absolutely atrocious. So we're talking potentially atrocious FBS team, potentially really really atrocious FCS team. Let's go with San Diego State, even though I don't think that this is going to be a game that the football historians remember. So Idaho State lost to a UNLV team that is projected to be significantly worse than San Diego State, and Idaho lost that UNLV game 52 to 21. So I look, I just don't think I don't think Idaho State is still yet ready to threaten better teams. You know, I talked about on our show, Ragel has 51 new guys. They're kind of like Idaho and they have some okay linemen, but they don't they clearly don't have the lineman depth. And also, if you're gonna question anyone's play calling, Jesus Christ. Regal rushing 40 times against UNLV for 1.3 yards per carry. Uh, that dude now has to prove he's not he is not going to have it. They're not going to call one of the dumbest games you possibly could. Because I mean, honestly, Dallas, at that level, let's pretend this is Idaho. We're averaging 1.3 yards per carry, and we rush significantly more than we pass. Like you know, the fan base would still be stoked for Eck, but people there would be that little taste in your mouth of like, okay, come on, guys, is this the play calling we need? So, uh, no, uh, Idaho State definitely going to lose. San Diego State definitely going to win. Eastern Washington at an Oregon team that had a really rough week one. I'm a Husky fan, but Oregon is going to steamroll Eastern. I don't know if I'm going to go with steamroll. I will pick Oregon in this game, but this is this is kind of that that weird spicy matchup. Oregon got absolutely pasted by Georgia. Now, Georgia honestly is probably the best number three team of all time. Like that team probably should not have been number three. I know that they lost their entire defense to the NFL draft, but they they had plenty in reserve. Uh, absolutely pasted Oregon. We've seen Eastern compete with with Pac-12 teams time and time again. I just don't think that this is the team. Eastern's defense didn't look good enough against an FCS squad, much less against an Oregon squad that you'd think is looking to make a statement that they do belong in the top half of the FBS. And I think I think Oregon's going to walk away with this one, but I don't I don't know if I would say steamroll. Yeah, against Tennessee State, uh, redshirt senior. In his first start, Gunnar Talkington accounted for combined 408 yards and five touchdowns. Let's just say he's not going to do that against Georgia. And Dallas, you're right. Eastern defensively, they cannot stop the run whatsoever. At least against Tennessee State, they sure as hell couldn't stop the run. Well, if you think Tennessee State is overpowering, guys, let me introduce you to Georgia, the number two overall uh, rated Sagarin team. Eastern just has a rough run of uh look they play oregon next week as well wait no wait no it's not oregon east no they play florida right correct oregon this week florida next week my bad it's not oregon's it's yeah eastern has they we get to see how eastern the sec team is after these these next two weeks but no um 
Eastern, uh, no, no FCS team has the physicality to handle Georgia. If Oregon doesn't have physicality to handle, handle Georgia. Uh, we already covered Idaho, Indiana and the, the guaranteed win Sacramento state by week, but Hey, hung 56 points on Utah tech uh, last season. It took, Troy Taylor, a little bit of time to figure out what uh, Sacramento State would do offensively. Not the case this season, but they're on a bye anyway, so that's it. Well, guys, we, we just covered everything, covered last week. Uh, keep in mind, Tubbs the Club published three episodes in seven days last week. Covered Idaho, had a preview, reaction, and covering Big Sky as a whole. So if you are wanting to get into the Big Sky as a whole or just get into Idaho. This is the channel. Do it helps out. Patreon.com backslash tubs, the club, uh, hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Uh, by the way, that's another way to help us out. Get some money. So once you get to a thousand followers, things change for us. Dallas, before we call it a night, anything else you want to hit on? I mean, I haven't thought up any more dick jokes about Indiana yet. So I think I'm, I think I'm, I'm empty. I'm really happy you took it in that direction. Cause right after I said anything you want to hit on immediately, I was thinking, why didn't I ask that in the Indiana section? Because that was just we were living it where we were living the whole time. Uh, and look in the cat in the comment thread, didn't hit this quite as much. Captain fifty eight agrees that um, Eastern is not going is not going to win this week. Uh, he says Ducks second string takes down Eags forty nine sixteen. I I realize now I previewed the game as though Eastern was playing Georgia. Whatever they They're might playing. as well be. Okay, let me go go back, correct myself. They're playing Oregon this week and Florida next week, but the reference point was Georgia. Uh long Tuesdays for me, guys. Uh so bear with me. Brian can bring up amateur hour a couple times as well. So uh look, I'm I'm ready to call it a night. Um, just anyway, guys, kick ass time to be a vandal. Uh, we know this is the last in theory rough week where like you know. A close game is kind of a win for us. We're not that far from the FCS season starting. We're not that far from the wins piling from at least some wins piling up, guys. I guess Dallas, before we leave, we don't have to go through numbers. You're after what you saw last week, and we see anything similar this week, you would be adjusting your win total for Idaho projected, correct? Let's just say I am fully erect at this point. Damn. That's one way to go about it. Okay, dudes. We're going to call tonight. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing. Picasso Vouchers, take it away. Go Vandals. Go Vandals. This is producer Brian doing a terrible job of even finding what we're going to play us out with. So I'm just going, we're just going to call it good. See you guys Tuesday.